From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Hey listeners, welcome back to The Dairy Show. I'm your host, Katie Schmidt. And it is the end of January, which in World Dairy Expo land, that means it is time to announce the full slate of judges selected to evaluate cattle at World Dairy Expo 2022 this fall. In case you missed the announcement on Friday, here's who you can expect to see on the colored shavings. Starting us off is the pair of judges for the International Ayrshire Show, official judge Chad Ryan of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and Associate Judge Mandy Bue of Freedom, Wisconsin. Taking on the International Brown Swiss Show under the added spotlight of Madison also hosting the World Brown Swiss Conference the first week of October is official Judge Garrett DeBruin of Lake Mills, Wisconsin, with his associate Hayden Hoschilt of Ellsworth, Wisconsin. The International Guernsey Show will be judged on Tuesday, October 4th by official judge Philip Topp of Botkins, Ohio, and associate judge Tim Abbott of Nosberg, Vermont. A returning pair of judges from 2021 will be evaluating the International Holstein Show, and that is official judge Pierre Boulet of Montmagny, Quebec, Canada, and associate judge Richard Landry of St. Brigitte des Sioux, Quebec, Canada. The International Junior Holstein Show on Monday, October 3rd, will be judged by official judge Pat Conroy of Angola, Indiana, and associate judge Callum McKinvin of Canton de Hadley, Quebec, Canada. Also judging on Monday, October 3rd and into Tuesday, October 4th for the International Jersey Show is official judge Keith Topp of Botkins, Ohio, and associate judge Ryan Crollo of Poinette, Wisconsin. The first pair of judges to hit the colored shavings at World Dairy Expo 2022 will be our pair for the International Milking Shorthorn Show. Official Judge Joe Sparrow of Worthville, Kentucky, and Associate Judge Matt Fry of Chestertown, Maryland. And rounding out our lineup is the International Red and White Show pair. Official Judge Pat Lundy of Granville, New York, and Associate Judge Gary Jones of Gorey County, Wexford, Ireland. With this judge's announcement just taking place a few days ago, it felt like the natural choice to invite one of these individuals onto the podcast today. But first, I have to give a quick shout out to some listeners up in Canada who have sent notes about how much they are enjoying this podcast to us here at Expo over the last few weeks. Your kind words mean so much to us, so thank you. And if you would ever like to reach out to us to give us some feedback on this podcast, give us some guest suggestions, we love to hear about those. Uh, you can send an email to wde at wdexpo.com. Or, of course, you can always reach us through social media as well. All right, it's time to get to the good stuff. So, without further ado, I would like to welcome the 2022 International Milking Shorthorn Show official judge. Joe Sparrow to the podcast. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Maybe people will know your name, Joe, from your time at Expo in 2019 is uh, very memorable for a lot of folks. But why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Uh, what's your connection to air culture? Uh, what's your connection to dairy? 
So I grew up on a small farm in north central Kentucky. Um, as I said that day, uh, I got started off with Brown Swiss. Uh, my dad purchased me my first one when I was eight years old, and kind of the rest was history. You know, I grew up uh, traveling to shows. He would drag us all over the place. We'd go to 20, 30 county fairs every single summer and the state fair. Uh, my first Kentucky State Fair, I think I was 11. Uh, did not start off with a lot of success. Uh, so we definitely were humbled early, but it was kind of one of those passions that we just never could be down, um, never could shake. And my two younger brothers and I, he kind of nurtured us along. So I uh, grew up and did uh, 4-H judging under Dr. Hershey in Kentucky. And that was a lot of fun, great exposure because I came um, you know, from a county that didn't have a lot of of dairy uh, influence and I got most of my dairy from my dad growing up and then shows and then from judging so that was a lot of fun and met folks and which led me uh, actually to um, meet uh, and hear about Virginia Tech so I went to college at Virginia Tech uh, majored in dairy science met some folks uh, there that uh, were as passionate about dairy and other things as I was so it was just a, a great fit and it was my first chance to kind of get out on my own two feet, come from a very small town, graduated with about 90 uh, kids in my class. So, you know, the first class I stepped foot in Blacksburg had 500 and something people in it. So it was uh, definitely an eye-opening experience. Um, but kind of, the, I guess, the dairy in me continued to be fostered there, majored in dairy science, as I said. I met lots of folks, was a member of the dairy club there, probably could have been more active. Um, but it's college. Uh, and then uh, had met some great folks there and uh, Dr. Barnes and Dr. Knowlton uh, made a lot of friends. And then they were kind of my judging coaches and mentors uh, through that process and tried as best as they could to keep me on a straight line. And then uh, when I graduated, I was very fortunate to be able to get a job working for Alltech, who's uh, big in agriculture and uh, my area in Kentucky and then eventually in Kentucky and Tennessee was more specific to cattle and mostly dairy. So uh, that was a kind of a great next step. And then uh, one of my clients, uh, CPC, the, the company that I work for now, uh, offered me a position uh, to be a dairy nutritionist. And that was 11 years ago and I'm still here and uh, work with a colleague and I, Dr. Taylor, uh, work with probably a hundred and something dairies uh, from Indiana to Arkansas to the Carolinas and uh, mostly in Kentucky and Tennessee. So travel a, a good bit. And then uh, my family and I do have a, a registered brown Swiss herd uh, in Kentucky, where we milk about 40 head. Um, we have uh, maybe seven or 800 acres, a lot of pasture, a lot of hay. We grow some corn silage. And we have uh, several Holstein uh, recipients uh, that we use for, for lots of IVF work. And then uh, we background uh, some stocker calves as well. So we stay busy. That's quite the quite the project to take on. So tell me about dairies that you work with as a nutritionist. What, and maybe this isn't a fair question to ask, but I'm going to try. What does a typical dairy look like that you're working with in your part of the country? So it's definitely a small family farm. Um, you know, I think that if you say uh, our average herd size is probably from 150 to 200 cows, uh, made up of predominantly uh, family labor, um, most all family owned. So it's, um, 
you know, as I said, in Kentucky and Tennessee, we're, we work with some smaller farms and we have farms as, as uh, big as 1,800 cows and then as small as 18. So uh, we kind of get to see it all and especially traveling kind of that wide of a swath, uh, you know, you can get an appreciation for um, a difference of style in, in dairies. So, you know, there's some 100-pound guys and there's some 40-pound guys. and um, we enjoy working with all of them. So Wisconsin, we're going to be very like forage heavy. And what I've learned when I've travel and go to different farms uh, is the variety and really byproducts that people are using or just how they're creating rations. What does that look like for you? What what kind of rations are you building out for folks or what's maybe unique about them? So two things. Uh, first, living in the South, we have a, a drastically different climate. And we have to deal with heat and humidity. And so it makes it a real challenge uh, to grow forages. Uh, we've been blessed for a couple of years in a row uh, that most of our trade area has had rainfall. Um, but I've done this for long enough that I've seen years when it, we don't get rainfall. So now that's definitely a challenge. We really struggle with putting up quality dry alfalfa hay, you know, for example. But um, corn silage is the nuts and bolts of our rations. A lot of small grains, you know, winter cover crops is a big factor too. And then also living in Kentucky, we are known for our bourbon, which surprisingly enough benefits us on the, the dairy side because we have lots of byproduct because um, especially through COVID, bourbon is booming. So we have uh, more and more and more byproducts coming at us at an extremely uh, low price and sometimes uh, even folks get paid to take the products away. So it's a it's a great thing for us um, to kind of have to combat some of the high feed prices and whatnot. What's the nutritional value of the byproduct of bourbon? Or or what is the byproduct of bourbon maybe even? That's the better question. Okay, so we, I guess obviously there it comes with dry distillers uh, and then every form is a, is a variation of distillers. So there's dry distillers, there's a modified wet distillers, there is what we call a syrup, and then there's a whole stillage, or AKA slop. So they um, can be somewhat inconsistent, high in phosphorus, high in sulfur, and which kind of like bourbon, the solution is dilution, but um, they are high fat, uh, so therefore they have some energy to them, and typically in the low 20s on protein. Uh, so it's not by any means the perfect feedstuff, but at zero dollars a ton, it fits into some rations or heifer feeds or as a tool to, you know, stretch forages, enhance palatability. Um, it's just kind of a, a Swiss Army knife of a, an ingredient for us here. And we're very, you know, uh, with the trucking costs, it's the reason that some of these high moisture products are priced at the way they are because you can't afford to truck, you know, an 80% moisture byproduct from Kentucky to Wisconsin. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for our bourbon. Well, you know, when I was planning this interview out, I can confidently say talking about bourbon was not something that was on my radar, but I'm glad we've covered it. And Absolutely. <laughs> well, when in Rome, you should know we're talking to Kentucky. No kidding. No kidding. It should just be a part of what I should have planned for. But what I did anticipate talking to you about, Joe, was this really the splash you made as uh, your expo debut as an official judge in 2019, you being a part of the Brown Swiss show that year. 
was a, a memorable experience for people watching. And and usually it is, right? That that's show is just phenomenal in its history and its pageantry and, and everything that goes with it. What was it like for you out there to be a part of that show as the judge and, and sitting in that position as somebody who was exhibited at Expo and been a part of the other side of it? It was phenomenal. Uh, I, I guess that's the best way to describe it. It was, um, you know, one of those top five moments of your life, you know, that, that uh, just uh, hard to rival, but it was a lot of fun too. You know, there was probably much less pressure than I thought there would be, you know, to be out in the ring, you know, and I think probably a, a good portion of that comes. I had a great associate. Uh, Jeff Core was a phenomenal help to me out there. And, you know, it's sometimes a county fair is harder to judge than World Area Expo, if I can be honest with you, because quality is, is easy to talk about. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to get to talk about some amazing animals. You know, I, I got to make Delilah Grand Champion, you know, so when you get to have, and Faye Reserve, Tango Honorable Mention, you know, some phenomenal heifers. Um, I can still picture some of the classes and picture some seven, eighth, ninth classes or heifers in classes and remember some of the conversations out in the ring. It was just phenomenal. You know, the, the Brown Swiss breed, uh, in my opinion, puts on a, a phenomenal show, as you mentioned. And it's a, it was just an incredible honor to be out there. I, I could just gush and gush and gush about my, my two days up there. I did not sleep much the night before, nights before, the night uh, between, but I can promise you that night after the show was over, I slept. And then, you know, I woke up the next morning and got on Facebook and thought, I can't believe all these people are saying these incredibly nice things to me. And, you know, I, I thought about some of the lines that I would use, um, definitely had some of those, I'm not going to say rehearsed, but, you know, I, I spent a lot of time driving. And so, you know, I could do multiple things. I could sing bluegrass music. I could practice turkey calling uh, or I could practice reasons and think about funny things to say, because I guess I feel like being out there in the ring, uh, you know, by no means was trying to make a mockery of the show. But I, I enjoyed talking and kind of using some color there. And I think that it maybe it helps the show some, too. Um, and I guess beyond all that, you know, wanted to be accurate. I like using metaphors and um, being descriptive. That was something I picked up on, you know, given reasons uh, in college. So, but to answer your question, Judging World Air Expo was a blast. Well, I appreciate that you mentioned the uh, metaphors that you were using to describe some of these cows, because that is certainly one of those pieces that people remember about that show and about you being out there. Do you remember what some of those sayings were that you used? Oh yeah, absolutely. Willie Nelson. And I've used some since I, I, uh, for some reason, my flight out to judge a show in um, Oklahoma this year, I thought about, you know, wet as a catfish. And uh, obviously I remember the Willie Nelson. I think that was probably one of over the years I've used uh, heifers longer than a Justin Bieber concert or longer than a Miley Cyrus concert. You know, I, so I don't know, I guess I kind of enjoy coming up with those and, I think that the folks that are showing those animals probably think it's neat too, or or I would. So, yeah. Well, clearly they did. We asked uh, folks for their most memorable phrases when we were doing survey says last winter, and 
I would say probably half of the responses were phrases that you shared during 2019. So you, you touched on some of them. I would say one of my other ones that was my favorite was the they're as close as strawberry jam and strawberry jelly. And today I'm putting jelly on my biscuit. <laughs> Absolutely. They were close. It's a heck of a pair of cows. I was just trying to think of that. And that one I did not rehearse. I think that was one I, I was walking around, you know, they're coming back through. And I thought, I've got to come up with something to be able to express how close I think those pair of cows are. And, you know, I, I like biscuits, as I said, you know, jam, butter, gravy, whatever and jelly. And so I thought, well, you know, jam and jelly are close. Why not go with that? Right. I don't think there was a better way to articulate how similar or how close that placing was. So I, I appreciated it. Where are you getting this inspiration from? Like what, what does the process look like to come up with these phrases? And, you know, you kind of mentioned you think of some of them in advance and some of them are in the moment, but what does this look like? How, where is this coming from? You know, I, I listen to a lot of music and maybe that some of that comes from there. I think about, um, you know, like there's an artist in, uh, from Kentucky named Tyler Childers and he uses like some metaphors. And I think that's probably some spot that I get it from. And, you know, just trying to be able to, to relate and be descriptive about the animals, but yet also make it in a way that um, maybe is more fun or easy to listen to uh, than just taller, longer, higher, wider that kind of stuff. And, and I guess that's, that's the thing that I, I promised myself, or at least I tried to do is use all that stuff and it's cute and it's funny and whatever, but try to make it where it fit the class and it was accurate too. So I don't know, I, I guess I've got somewhat of a creative mind at times and in my spare time driving three hours back and forth from one dairy to another or something like that, I'll think about them. So can we expect to hear creative or colorful phrasing again this year when you're judging the Milking Shorthorn show? Most definitely. You, you bet. Good, good. So speaking of that show, let's talk about associate judges because we did just announce them. And you mentioned about how valuable having uh, Jeff there with you in 19 was. What are you looking for when you are selecting an associate judge, whether it's for Expo or any other show out there? A lot. Um, you know, that's something that I'm not going to lie. I started thinking about um, many years ago. I, I'll never forget one year at Madison would have been four years before I actually got to judge it. Someone made a comment to me that they were going to put my name on the ballot or they were going to, you know, try to nominate me for for judging. And, you know, once you get past kind of the shock, honor, all uh, excitement of that, you start thinking about who you would get to have out there with you because it's a big deal. And I got to be an associate for Rich Hill which was just an incredible honor and uh, a lot of fun. And I, as I said in that speech that day, you know, he was the perfect person for me to get to be out there with uh, for his mentality and the way he lined it up, um, you know, and, and just the way he handled the ring, uh, the way, way he handled the microphone and just his integrity in class. It set an example for me as to, you know, you're judging on the biggest stage. You better make sure. Uh, your par for the course. And so taking that back as an associate for him, he listened to me. Now, um, not every single placing was exactly the way that maybe I wanted him to be, but he listened to me every single time. And more often than not, we we were agreed on things and we worked through them. And uh, I learned there that that's how I needed to to treat an associate for me. 
And so when I started thinking about associates, I wanted it, you know, somebody to check lots of boxes. And I guess the first and foremost thing is I wanted to be comfortable out in the ring with them because, you know, I've, I've seen or I felt like you've seen some, you know, partnerships out there because that's truly what it is. It's a it's a partnership. I mean, it's like head coach and assistant coach. You know, the assistant coach sometimes is the one that should get all the credit and the head coach is the one that makes the big bucks. I knew that I needed somebody out there that I was comfortable with and I knew I needed somebody out there that I could trust. And I, I knew I needed somebody that knew cows because um, it's easy to get out there and you judge 50 fall calves or 30 senior two-year-olds and you're moving around through them as things are going through your head, you stuff you like, you don't like, and you come back in and you miss one. And I think that's something that I, every, you know, the shows that I've judged, you get to put down at World Dairy Expo, three people to be your associate. And all three of those people, I felt confident that they were folks that knew cattle. And then the other thing is trust. You know, you've got to be able to trust uh, that that person you're going out there with is going to do it with integrity and not look at halters and um, not know previous reputations on cows. And, and it's somebody that takes it serious and, and wants to be out there with you. So, you know, I, I guess it's a, it's a complete picture. Um, and it's something that I spent a lot of time a couple of years ago thinking about, and this year thinking about um, trying to make sure it was a person that checked all those boxes. And lastly, and maybe not leastly, is somebody I could have fun with, you know, um, because there was some pictures that people snapped of Jeff and I, and, you know, I, we were smiling, laughing and having fun. And I would anticipate the next time and, if, you know, any future times that I'm fortunate enough to get to Judge Expo, that I'm going to have fun. And I, I want it to be somebody out there, you know, somebody out there with me that'll have fun, too. Tell us about your partner in crime for 2022 with the International Short Milking Shorthorn Show, Matt Fry. Who is Matt? One of my best friends on this planet, uh, but that's not the reason that he's going to be out there with me. Um, he's somebody that's got an incredible cow mind, very passionate about dairy, uh, sharp as a tack about picking cows out. And, um, you know, being from Maryland, he's not going to be shy to tell me that he disagrees with me. So, you know, one thing uh, that I, I wanted to also, and I should have mentioned that before, is, is somebody that's not going to just say, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, it's somebody that'll say, um, you know, I think I actually like that one better. And then it's up to the two of us to, to sort through that. But he's a great, great dairyman from, from Maryland. He was one of my uh, friends. I met him in college, uh, knew of his family from some of their history in the Brown Swiss long before I ever met him. Just an incredible friend, and it'll be an absolute blast and an honor to get to have him out there with me. So I'm excited. Is it October yet? Let's hope not. I'm not ready for that yet, but I know others are. <laughs> so as a Brown Swiss guy, and Matt's got a little bit of Brown Swiss background there too, how are you going to translate that into judging a milking shorthorn? How does that differ in those breed characteristics and in those breed differences? That's a tremendous question. Um, but uh, the way I guess I'm going to go about it is, you know, and like to, to go back to associates, my associate for when I judged the Swiss show was Jeff Kaur, who's Jersey through and through. A good cow is a good cow. Now, do I think there are differences amongst breeds? Most definitely. But if you're comparing them uh, to what you consider as the ideal cow, then I think you can be consistent throughout the day. So, you know, I guess to, to answer your question, 
a milking shorthorn to me is just a different colored dairy cow. And I think that uh, a cow that I, I want to have you know, good udders, uh, comfortable feet and legs, dairy quality, dairy strength, correctness and, and quality throughout. And I think that's something that regardless of the color of the hide, I think that it it truly doesn't matter. You know, I have not uh, judged many shorthorn shows before, and I'm excited to get to do this one uh, because I know there's going to be good cows out there. I've, I haven't lived under a rock. I know that the, the progress that, that uh, our color breeds are making, and it's exciting and fun to see, and, and I can't wait to be right out there firsthand uh, to get to see them because, you know, it's, it's one of those things you can judge cows, you can watch cows, but when you're standing out there in the center of what I'm going to call the Rupp Arena of dairy shows, you know, at World Dairy Expo, that's when you get an appreciation for how special they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So say someone wakes up tomorrow and whether they're a college kid or into their career or a high school student, and they decide that they, their goal is to judge at World Dairy Expo someday, what kind of experiences should they be trying to take on to get to that point? I think you got to, you know, it, it's like anything else. You, you got to start small. I mean, nope, nobody's going to hire you to judge big national shows uh, without somewhat of a history and a background. And um, you, you've got to be willing to accept and judge whatever shows you get offered because every single show is a learning experience. Um, and I think that's something that um, if you go into it with an open mindset, whether you're judging 12 heifers and six cows of seven different breeds at uh, a county fair or whether you get to judge a, a national show with 300 head of one specific breed, um, they're all a learning experience. And um, everyone makes you better if you'll let it. And I think back to you know some of the first county fairs I judged, some of the first state fairs, state shows, district shows, and then the first couple national shows. And every one of them, I feel like, hopefully made me better. Uh, maybe I didn't do a better job judging that show, but maybe it may be more prepared for the next one. So I think you've got to be prepared to to start small and work your way up. But I would also, I guess, in terms of giving advice, say that it, you have to truly make it as much about the cows as possible. You know, unless these things start being led in there by robots, you can't help but see who is on the halter. And, you know, it's a human instinct to, to play that in your mind. Is it the owner? Is it a friend? Is it um, a partner? Is it somebody that, heaven forbid, doesn't like you? You know, um, they're, they're, they come in all shapes and sizes. And you have to try to whittle it down to just focusing on the animal. But I would also say, do it your own way. You know, make your own style. Don't be afraid to, to piss some people off because it's going to happen. I mean, at the end of the day, these shows, like you take a Kentucky State Fair, there's one cow that leaves their supreme champion. There'll be 300 others that are losers if the owner wants to look at it that way. I've shown, I've gotten upset. I've thought I've been, you know, taking politics over my quality of my animals before. But I'll also say that once you get out there in the ring and start judging, it makes you have a whole different outlook for all those times in the past that you showed an animal and you thought you maybe didn't do as good as, as you should have. So it's, it's got to be ultra important to place the animals and be comfortable talking about them. I mean, at the end of the day, 
given reasons, I've helped with some judging workshops on um, judging teams. And, and that's, I guess, the thing I've tried to express to some of the kids is that you're just talking about cows. I mean, in reality, is that really something that's worth getting nervous about? So it, you've got to start small. You know, you've, you've got to place the cows. You've got to be prepared to talk them and then live with whatever side effects come from that. You're, you're, nobody's ever going to judge a show and have 100% of the people happy with them. How do you take some of that negativity, though, and maybe take it as constructive criticism or the opportunity to learn from that or to see it in a different light? Is that a possibility to do as you're learning and as you're growing? Most definitely. And it's something that um, and I haven't always been on the best at because it's easy to to get upset from that or, or feel um, like, well, maybe this judging thing isn't for me. You know, somebody, heaven forbid, I upset somebody or there's a little seven-year-old girl that's crying over there in a the corner because I, I put her March calf 19th out of 19, you know, and that stinks. That's the hard part about it. But I think if you truly do it by placing the animals, you can hopefully have somewhat of a clear conscience and, and try to use that because there's always somebody watching. You know, and I think back to some of um, my earliest shows and watching judges out there and thinking about, I want to be that person, you know, or I want to be judging like that. I want to I be able to go out there and talk like that. So you have to remember that instead of getting upset or getting your feelings hurt because somebody did question you or somebody did uh, disagree with a placing or somebody made a Facebook post or whatever, you know, in today's times, it's going to happen. And I think that um, if you're willing to step out of that ring and pick up a microphone, you've got to be prepared for criticism. And to your point, you have to try in your brain to pitch it as constructive criticism. And most definitely, I have. I think back to some shows that I've judged. I think back to that year at World Dairy Expo and things I should have done different. or um, Maybe I missed that cow or, you know, this cow came back two years later and she's incredible, you know, and why didn't I place her higher at that time? You know, it, it's so easy to, to second guess yourself. Um, and I don't think that's all bad because it does make you try to be truer, on, you know, on evaluations from them. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that would be very difficult to especially to see cows develop over time and then to look back and go, well, did I miss her that day or what happened? How, how was I not overly impressed by that cow that day? But I would think that Expo has this odd play in it too with having Expo TV and all of the recordings from the shows. You can actually go back and watch game tape basically and break it down class by class, you know, line by line. And that's not something you can do to other shows. But is there value in, you know, young judges or collegiate judges watching some of that past footage? We'll call it game tape because I like that. Is, is there value in that? You know, is there, should they be watching classes or should they watch champion classes? You know, what's maybe the best learning opportunity or how could you use that as a learning opportunity? Most definitely. I mean, I think watching the videos is the next best thing to be in there in person. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you're never going to beat in person. And I think that that's something that um, I would advise folks to do is to watch um, different judges. You know, a judge that's 20, a judge that's 70, 
uh, because each one of them has got things that they do different that you might like, or more importantly, there might be things that you don't like about their mannerisms, you know, asking questions in the ring. I mean, I think that there's so many different ways to go with that. You know, I kind of started to develop things that I wanted to, to do over multiple years by watching other people. And like I said, some of those things I saw other people, other judges in the ring doing that I knew I wanted to do that. You know, I think back to like um, uh, some, and I use like Chris Lammers, for example. I think he's a tremendous judge that, but he always seems to have a smile on his face and be positive in the ring. Um, And that I wanted to be somebody that uh, smiled um, and was somewhat pleasant just because, I mean, I've been in the ring before, you know, first, second, third time in the ring, you know, your white pants could be turning yellow because you're scared to death. And I think how much easier is it to to walk in there and there's somebody that's pleasant and positive. And so I tried now by far from perfect in that, you know, and then you think about like little things like asking questions. Is that something that you really want to do, need to do, or are you going to place them the way you see them? And I think that nobody has to do it the same, but in terms of advice for somebody that wants to do judging and wants to get started, I would definitely uh, watch and pay attention and, and try to pick up on things that, that you want to do or things that you don't want to do. Well, I look forward to having people sitting in the stands watching you judge the International Milky Shorthorn Show at Expo this fall and all of the other great breed shows. But we'll see who learns what from watching you out there on the Claire Shavings again, Joe. And Thank you so much for sharing advice and insight and a little bit about your experiences on the Claire Shavings. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me. I can't wait. Hope everybody takes care and we'll see you in October. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 